So this week we start a new series. Christ revealed the epiphany of our Lord. We've just finished Advent, which celebrates the promise of our coming King, and, and then his arrival. Now we will see how the, world, the Word reveals Jesus as the Christ. Today we journey back to, to shortly after his birth. The wise men, the Magi, are, are following a star, searching for a king. Our text this morning reveals the, the sinfulness in our hearts, the royalty that, that we desire, sometimes demand to be. But it doesn't leave us without hope. For our text this morning also points the true king. It reveals the true king. And in that true king, we have hope and a promise. And I pray that we would each be touched by the word of the Lord this morning, that we would be blessed by the revelation of the true king and what that means for each of us. Let's read the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with, his Mary, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. For your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. In the story of the Lion King, we meet a young lion named Simba. Simba is the son of Mufasa, who is the head lion, the king of Pride Rock, where all the lions live. And early on in the story, Simba sings a song in which he revels in the privilege that he is in line for. The song is titled, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. It's a song about all the things that he's going to be able to do, all the attention that will be coming his way when he is king. Everybody look left. Everybody look right. Everywhere you look. I'm standing in the spotlight. 
Simba's pretty happy with the idea of being king. Simba loves him some Simba. And he's excited about, about being in control. He's excited about getting to do things his way. He's excited about not having to listen to the direction of others, particularly Zazu, the, uh, the bird that kind of like is supposed to be instructing him on, on how to be king. He's like, forget you, man. I get to do things the way that I want to do them. And, and he's excited about all the time he'll be able to spend doing the things that he wants to do. He just sees freedom. Power, ability, he can't wait to be king. This desire for control, for, for influence in our lives is, is something we can relate to, right? Like we get that. I understand that. How often do I hear from my kids that they can't wait until they're older because then they'll get to watch the shows that they want to show, that they want to watch or, or play on the iPad as, as much as they want or eat the food that they want to eat. I get it. I get it. For there are things in my life that, that I want power over as well, that I want control in. My wife is a, is a great driver. I totally trust her driving, but when we drive anywhere together, I, I want to be the one at the wheel. That's just, I just do. It's not because I don't trust her. It's not because I think I'm even a better driver than she is. I, I don't necessarily believe that that is true either. I... I just like to be the one at the wheel. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. I got issues, man. What, what am I going to say? And, and, and having some control, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. We live in a democracy where we encourage people to vote for our leadership. Even if we don't agree with the choice that they make during that voting booth, like while they're in the booth, we may not like where someone or who someone decides to vote for or what. But vote, man, like do it. We encourage people to exercise that civil right. Exercise that power. Exercise that influence. It's important. It's what helps make our democracy work. The ability, the power to elect our leaders, that's a good thing. And it's not bad for my kids to want to have authority for themselves someday. You know, I'm loving the time that I have with them right now. I'm I love it, but I'd also be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to a time when they are a bit more self-sufficient. Like, that'll be nice. Diapers are not fun. Like, nobody likes changing those things. And it'll be nice when that is not a thing in our house anymore. We can just remove that budget item, no more of those, and and our kids can be a little more self-sufficient. And as far away as that may seem and as scary as it may be, it'll be a good thing when my kids are able to choose what they want to do with their lives, where they want to go to college, if they want to go to college, what career they'll have, who they're going to marry. Those are all decisions that I am happy to let my children make. I don't want the responsibility of making those choices for them. Though I may have preferences for each of those choices, they are choices I won't be making. They're choices for my children to make. The ability to make choices, the ability to have some power, some influence, is a good thing. But as with all things, it can be abused. And it is often abused, power in particular is often abused, and we're we're trying to keep it. 
We're trying to, to hold on to it. It's abused when we are Herod. In our text this morning, Herod is the king, the one ruling over Israel at the time. But he, he's not Jewish. He's an Edomite. And, and he has been appointed to rule by Rome. The Romans are kind of the ones in charge of the, the area at this point in time. And they've decided that Herod is going to be the king. And so he is vulnerable to claims of the true Davidic dynasty. So David was the king all those years ago, right? Way back in the Old Testament, all that. And his lineage is the one that's supposed to be king. So if somebody emerges that can prove Davidic, like that they're, that they're related to, to David, Herod's, he's not in the strongest place of authority and power, but he is loving his place of authority and power. Now, he doesn't get along with the people. He doesn't, he doesn't get along with the Sanhedrin. He doesn't get along with, with the church leaders of the day. And in his later years, as, as Herod's getting older, and, and this is a time when Herod's a bit older, he is plagued by fears of rivals trying to come for his throne. He is so scared of losing his power. He has power. He has a kingship. And he is desperately aware of how weak his grip is on that power. And he is just as desperate to keep it. And then three men show up. Because in, in Psalm 72, 10 and 11, and, and Isaiah 60, verse 3, today we call these three men kings. But according to Matthew, they were magi, wise men from the east. We don't know specifically where they are from, but their title was used for the court advisors of Babylon. And the gifts they bring are gifts that would be associated with Arabia. And these men have, have seen a star. They recognize that it signifies the birth of the king of the Jews. And so they have come to honor him, to give him gifts. They have come to worship him. And this freaks Herod out. Freaks Herod out. So he calls a bunch of his wise men together and tries to figure out what's going on. And, and they point him to the prophecy in Micah, which we read a little bit during our Advent time, where Micah 5 or 2, 6. And, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod realizes that, that this is a real threat to his power. This is possibly the answer to a prophecy from, from long ago telling about the coming king, the king from the line of David. The king that would have a stronger claim to the throne than he would. So he has to figure out a way to keep his power. He has to figure out a way to stop this king from being born. Or at least... From coming and taking his throne. So Herod sends the Magi on their merry little way. But he asks them to do him a favor. He asks them that when they return home. That they would swing by Jerusalem again. And just come on by. And, and let me know where this king is. That I may go and worship him as well. Herod doesn't want to lose his power. He doesn't want to lose his position of control, and so he puts a plan into action. We don't, we don't see it here, but basically what happens is when he realizes that the, uh, 
that the wise men avoid them, as we read at the end of our text, that they decide to go by a different route. He freaks out and he just sends the army to kill anybody under the age of two, any men, any male child under the age of two in the city of Bethlehem. That's how desperate he was to hold on to his authority, to his power. He wants to keep it. And he can't have some imposter come in and take the crown and take the power. How often have we been Herod? How often have we been Herod? How often do we try to hold on to the things that we want control over? How often do we abuse the power that has been given us so that we can do the things that we want to do but that we shouldn't be doing? How often do we let our eyes wander to things that we shouldn't just because we can and we want to? How often do we let the truth twist and bend so that it fits what we want it to be and not what is actually true? How often do we twist Stories that they favor us, they put us in a good light, even though they need to be exaggerated or even plain old fabricated to do so. How often do we let people believe something that we know isn't true because I mean, it makes us look good? It makes us look good, and we like that. These are just you know, a few examples. And we all know of many other opportunities that cause us to ask the question, how often have we been Herod? How often have we used the power we tried to hold on to a position, a feeling, a thought that we want? Use the power to try to hold on to a position, a feeling or a thought that we want. How hard have we clung to the throne? The crown. How hard have we tried to stay king? Each of us in our own way and in many ways, man, we've held on to our crowns. We have each manipulated what we could to try to keep our power, our ability to make decisions, to do the things that we want to do, to color things the way that we want to color them. But just like Herod, we aren't the true king. And those things that we do to try to hold on to the power just make that all the more clear. The sin that we commit trying to hold on to power that doesn't belong to us, the way that we abuse the power given to us, it just proves our unworthiness of it. It just proves our unworthiness. And that abuse, that sin, it just separates us even more from the one who loves us. From the one who made us. Because of how we have tried to keep the crown, we have been separated from God. And there's nothing that we can do to make things right. We need the true king. Our verses today tell us that the Magi, they followed the star. And in a feat of astronomy that we can't understand, it moved before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. 
where Jesus was, where the king was. And then these strangers from a different land, these men who were decidedly not Jewish, these foreigners, they gave their gifts to the king and they worshipped him. This is the first text of Epiphany, of the revelation of Jesus, because it shows us who Jesus is. He is the true king. He is worthy of praise and worship, not just from his people, labeled king of the Jews, but not just from his people, but from all people, foreign and domestic. He is a just ruler, but he is also a benevolent ruler. He loves his people. And so Jesus, in obedience to the Father, performed the greatest act of love that has ever been known and ever could be known. Jesus took all the things that we have done to hold on to our power. He took all of them, all the lies, the the cheating, the twisting, all the things that we have done to hold on to our power. He took them. He took the lying, the wandering eyes, the gossip. He took the cheating, the envy, the thieving. He took the killing, the blasphemy, and he took the shame. And he owned them all as if he was the one that had done them. He owned them as if, as if he had been the one trying to hold on to his crown. As if he was the imposter trying to hold on to his throne. And he died with them still in his ownership. He died and he carried all of that to the grave with him. And then on the third day, he rose again and he defeated all of those lies, all of that lust, all of the gossip and the cheating and the envy and the thieving. He defeated the killing and the blasphemy and he shed the shame. And all we need to do is believe. To rest in the faith that has been given to us. To believe that the king who has been revealed can do all that he has said that he can. To believe that what, he has, been, what has been revealed about him in God's word, the Bible, is true. To believe that we needed his work on our behalf. To believe that his work is finished. I don't know what's going on with our sound right now. We're having a little issue. But the timing of that issue strikes me a little bit, right? Right when we're getting to the the gospel, we're getting to the point where this is the good news, guys. This is the hope that in spite of us being Herod, that Jesus took all of that stuff and he died for it. And he conquered that. And that because of faith in him, we have hope. It's not surprising to me that that's where we would start to have difficulties with our sound. It doesn't shock me. It probably shouldn't shock any of us. But that truth cannot be put down. Belief. Believe that his work is finished. We are called to be like the three magi from a distant land. And to bow down and worship the true king. 
the one who has not only created the known world and the unknown world, but that has conquered sin and death. The king that reigns in triumph over all that has been and that ever will be. The king that did all of this so that he might have a relationship with you because he loves you. Not for what you can do for him, but for what he has made you to be. There will be struggle. There's a part of us that will always hold on to the power that we can, whether it is healthy or unhealthy. I pray that as we remember who truly holds the power, that we will be able to rest in the arms of the one who has won the struggle for power. That in times of temptation and struggle, we would listen to the call of our Lord and we would bow and worship him and when we fail to do so, because we will fail to do so, that we would remember that there is forgiveness. God always forgives, for that is in his power as well. What a God we serve. What a king we have. He is worthy of all our praise. He has turned our crowns, crowns that we diminished, that we tarnished. And he has made them invaluable, for he has redeemed us. May we praise his name forever. Amen. As we...